There was a man in the Word of God by the name of Elijah. Now, Elijah goes back when most of you have heard about his story and one of the greatest prophets ever, probably the best, greatest prophet of the Old Testament, bar the fact that John the Baptist was said to be the greatest, but he bridged the old to the new. So in the Old Testament, Elijah the prophet was an incredible major prophet of God, and he had to deal with uh, a lot of the things that were going on today, uh, and particularly in the, politic, the political world, would have been King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And um, the Bible talks about that Ahab and Jezebel were two of the most wicked people uh, that Israel had ever had, and certainly King Ahab was the most wicked of all the kings. Um, a lot of that, we'll discuss some of that today, but a lot of that you'll have to read into for yourself to figure out how that is. But one of the things is, is that they created, um, many don't know this, but Jezebel's father was the king of Sidon. And uh, he was a wicked ruler. And so uh, because of that relationship, uh, she talked Ahab into being able to go and say, hey, look, I want us to, to go and have this alliance with my father. And it was an unholy alliance. And uh, King Ahab allowed it to happen. And so God was very displeased by that, very displeased by that. And as a matter of it taking place, of course, uh, there are certain things that God wanted to convey to the king through Elijah uh, that obviously Ahab did not want to hear. And certainly Jezebel, everybody say Jezzy. Oh, Jezebel didn't want to hear it, right? And so, um, and so uh, he had to say certain words that uh, put them at odds with each other because, in fact, the, the king didn't want to hear the words of judgment coming from the mouth of, king, of, of the prophet Elijah. And so um, one of the things that took place as a result, uh, Elijah was an incredibly, um, incredibly bold man. And um, he went out and he had the prophets of Baal come. Now, Sidon worshiped Baal, this King Sidon, so that's where Jezebel comes from. That was introduced into, um, into um, uh, Israel as a, as a result of that. And uh, the king, um, uh, because that relationship allowed it to happen, and then, of course, you have, you have Ashtar, and Ashtar was another god that was to be worshipped in those days. Very, very wicked. And so I love that Elijah said, I'm not going to allow this to stand any longer and has 350 prophets of Baal line up. And as they do, he kills them one after the other. Takes matters in his hands and destroys these wicked false prophets. And um, so the, this news reached the ears of, of Ahab and Jezebel. And Jezebel said these words. And so interesting to me, it wasn't Ahab who had the power. It was the one who didn't have the power, but acted like she did have the power. And said, about this time tomorrow... I will do to you what you've done to my prophets and more. And you would think that Elijah the prophet who'd seen God whisk him away and, into a whirlwind and, and put him onto a cleft of a rock and he would appear uh, in places from, from, a, from a natural dimension to spiritual dimension and back and all these things. You see uh, him, he saw the fire of God fall. He, 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 he witnessed the dead be raised to life again. And you would think this bold prophet of God who seemingly wasn't afraid of anything, would stand flat-footed and tell her, I don't think so. But the Bible says that as soon as Elijah saw, S-A-W, it's an interesting thing because it was a word that was given to somebody to tell Elijah. And when Elijah heard the words, the Bible says, and when he saw, 
what she was going to do. Interesting how words have so much power until you can visualize or see something. And once that you can see it, now it becomes a part of who you are. And he saw her intent to kill him and to knock him out and destroy him and uh, stop his ministry. And the Bible said he didn't stand flat-footed. He wasn't strong in that moment, but he fled for his life. The Bible says he went and he ran and hid in a cave. Everybody say a cave. When the pressure was on, Elijah ran into a cave. The title of my message this morning is Don't Cave In. Father, we give you praise and glory for all that you've done in this house. We thank you that your spirit is here and well and ready to go, Father God. Let the power of God be made known that your people may be enlightened and encouraged, I pray, Lord God, that we will not give in to the pressures of this world, the temptations of this world and, this, and, and the like, but, Lord God, that we're more powerful than we give ourselves credit for, for the Holy Spirit abides on the inside of us. So now, Holy Ghost, stir us up that we may receive the revelation of your word, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise one more time. Y'all looking good. So I got a little bit of a confession to make um, that I thought, well, I probably should just be the time to do it. Um, about probably uh, two years ago, you know, we call for the church to fast every, every beginning of every year, okay? 21 days. And um, I was probably in day two, and uh, it started getting to me a little bit. I'm just going to confess before y'all. And I was going to at least fast the first three days and then do like a meal every single you know, day until the 21 days and you know, do whatever God told me to do. At least three, but that second day got really hard. And the reason why was because I was hungry. I don't know if you ever got like that before. Fasting makes you hungry. And so I couldn't get... Krispy Kremes off my mind. Now, I am not a guy that normally caves in to Krispy Kreme. If I want to cave in, I want to get a meal. Like, I want a real meal, you know? Krispy Kreme just doesn't, it's not my thing. I like them. I like them a lot, but I don't think every day about Krispy Kreme. The light goes on. I don't go crazy and go, oh my God, they're fresh. Get over there. Praise God. I was listening to Jesse and Kathy Duplantis, and they were talking about, he was saying, honey, tell them about that time you ate a dozen, dozen donuts. He said, she said, oh my God, I did not. He goes, you've done it more than once. And he's just out in it right there. She goes, but they're so light. You can smash them together and one can become two so fast. So I thought, that's probably a pretty good thing, you know? I mean, but anyways, they taste wonderful. But for whatever reason, I was like, you know, if I could just get me a Krispy Kreme, I, I know that these, I can, Lord will understand. I'll go right back to my fast. I don't even really like them that much, Lord. So if I get this little craving out, it'll be out finally, and I'll be able to do the rest of the day. I'll add a day, God. I'll add an extra day. You know how you barter with God. So I go there. I get myself um, <clears throat> half a dozen of the Krispy Kremes, the little one, you know, the little original ones. Uh, I got half a dozen of those, and um, I got uh, uh, some napkins and a Diet Coke. Now, what's the purpose of a Diet Coke? <laughs> Ever thought about that after you've ha had all the sugar, but I got to have my Diet Coke. That way it cross-cancels all the calories you eat with the, <laughs> the Krispy Kreme. And so, anyways, so um, I uh, got to be honest with you. I, that, was from, that was a Highway 100. I drove all the way back to my house. I took the back streets. Hallelujah. And I was listening to the radio, and I was enjoying my every last pito, every last Krispy Kreme. I mean, every one of them. So I stopped before I get to my house, because I think, I caved in. I messed up. But I will not allow my sin to be revealed to anyone else. 
So I jumped out of the car, made sure all the crumbs, come on, were off my shirt. Checked the corners of my mouth, made sure nothing was under there, right there, right? I went and got the bag out, come on, the box. I got the, the I took my last of the Diet Coke, my drink of that. I found a trash place and I, tr- I threw everything away, man. It was gone. Hallelujah. Because I don't fear God as much as I fear Robin, praise God. And I just know she's going to bust me out. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, so I'm going to act like everything's cool. So I get back to the house. And, uh, and everything's, where do you go? Uh, and, you know, instantly I'm nervous. Like, why am I nervous? I'm, gonna, I'm nervous. Why, where did you go? You know, I'm a, you're asking me questions. Let me ask you a couple questions, you know. And so, and so she, I feel like she's just drilling me. And finally I said, uh, she goes, you didn't cheat, did you? Because she probably saw the guilt in my face. I said, no, I didn't cheat. Cheat? No, no, no. I said, we say we're doing three days, and we're going to go three days. And I'm thinking to myself, now, Lord, I will do three days, just not consecutively. I'm not going to do it consecutively. She doesn't have to know that. So I said, Lord, I'm, I'm, just, I'm thinking, I got my sin out. I'm good. It's over with. I'm back on track, praise God. Later on that day, we get in the car to go somewhere, and I jump in. I'm ready to go. I'm all happy. And she slowly leans in, looks down, leans in, and picks up a Krispy Kreme napkin that happened to fall between the seat and the dash. Come on, somebody. Your sin will find you out. And she said, mm-hmm, where did you go today? Of course, I tried to lie, but I couldn't lie. I couldn't do it. I said, well, I was at Krispy Kreme, you know. And I think she said, take me over there right now. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> we'll cheat together. But I'm just saying, sometimes you cave in. Sometimes things like that happen. It just brings back a memory of my dad years ago. Um, my mom was having like a little fellowship over the, at her house, a little Bible study. And women were coming over and uh, they were worshiping before the Lord. So they started dancing. The music had a little stereo. So they were dancing and jumping up and down in her uh, living room or her, her family room. And so, uh, <laughs> and so unbeknownst to my mom, the, these stereo speakers would be like this you have on the floor, right? I mean, all of a sudden, a box of frosted flakes fell out from outside, outside of the speaker. My dad had hid the frosted flakes in the speaker. Come on, y'all. It's a line. It's a line of problems here. This is this is heritage stuff I'm dealing with. This is this is problems. And I'm thinking this is this would be my dad. It would be me too, you know. But sometimes you cave in. Things like that happen, right? All right, church. Listen to me. Never doubt in the darkness what you've heard in the light. Think about it for a second. Never doubt in the darkness the dark days you face, what you've heard God say in his presence or in the light. I feel like I had to break it down because I got no amens or nothing on that. I didn't come up with it, but I like the way it sounds. And Luke chapter 12, verse three says this, therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light and what you've spoken in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. I just want to say that sometimes when you find yourself in dark places, maybe in a cave somewhere, you might think that God has forgotten about you and left you out, but truly you should know that even in dark places, God speaks. And even in the beginning of time, the Bible says that God was moving upon the face of the waters, brooding upon the face of the waters. And he said, he said, let there be light. God spoke. God's presence was there and God spoke a word and said, light be in the place of darkness. So never allow yourself to second guess yourself what God's trying to communicate to you in dark places. Even in starting this church years ago, uh, back in 1999, we knew God had called us to Milwaukee. We hadn't been here yet, um, but we were driving back and forth, praying, trying to get the uh, the heart of God and what God was trying to say and God was trying to do. And, um, 
in that time, God was giving us little pieces of the, of, the, of the puzzle clues of where to be and what to do. And it was very powerful in those moments. But then there are other times where we'd run into people and you tell them where you're going to go. And they would say, well, don't go to Milwaukee because it's this or it's that. People don't go to church there. Uh, it's lower income there. Uh, you're going to be hard to get your, your, your church financed uh, there. Uh, you know, all, where are you going? We're going in the city. How about the suburbs? There's more money. People are enticed to all kinds of different things. But God told me to go to the south side of the city. I didn't know anything about the south side of Milwaukee whatsoever, but that's where God said go. And I've never had, my wife and I have never had a dream to pastor just one side of the city. We just felt like God would take a, people like that and have an hour bus ride, but then they come, they come where they're hungry and that's what they're going to do or drive over 30 minutes to come to the house of God because that's what people do when they're hungry. So we recognize that and, um, and they said, we'll make it convenient and, and, and try different ways of, of, of reaching people by having different locations. If God says to do that, that's one thing. That's wonderful. But that's not what he told us to do. But the fact of the matter is, is that I could have caved in under the, under the pressure, seeming that uh, pressure even more than the norm because we come from uh, a place where we started a church and it didn't work out the way we thought. And so it was seemingly a failure. And so there you had all of that heartbreak and all of that tension in your life as well. And yet God's telling you to do this other thing. And so you're always thinking about of your mind, maybe it won't work out. Maybe it won't be like God said or your dream that it can be. Maybe it's going to be another failure in your life. And so the devil's always trying to put temptation in your world to get you to cave in. In this case with Elijah, God used a woman, or not sorry, I'm sorry, the devil used a woman to uh, manipulate the mind and the, and the emotion of Elijah. And that her name was Jezebel. Jezebel is alive and well even today after thousands of years, but not in person. Spirits, instead of people, uh, spirits with characteristics of Jezebel can get on people, manipulate them, and then they can manipulate the rest. If allowed, a Jezebel spirit will get you to cave in to what God has anointed you to do. Let me give you some characteristics of Jezebel. It's not my message, but I, I wanted to get this to you today. Jezebel had no authority of her own. Uh, she was simply the, uh, she was the queen, but she didn't have any political authority. She, but she knew how to manipulate the kings to use and misuse that authority. So she didn't have the authority, but she was good about pulling the strings. Jezebel got what she wanted through selfish and emotional ambition. No one was going to tell her or her husband no. Jezebel's spirit does not want to hear no. Uh, she has power. Uh, she was rather power hungry and wicked in her desires and vision. Jezebel absolutely hated the prophets of God. In particular, she hated Elijah because he could, he could not be bought. He could not be enticed and he could not be seduced. By the way, I thought that's what every man of God was supposed to be, not just Elijah in the Bible. I thought every man of God was supposed to be not able to be bought or enticed or manipulated because they're not after the money. They're not after a nice building. They're not after uh, the accolades or the fame or somebody patting them on the back or uh, being able to have a conversation with the mayor when they want to have a conversation. No, no, no. They're there to, to absolutely be a spokesman for the, for the voice of God in the earth. And there, by the way, there are many men of God and women of God that still take that very, very uh, seriously, it's a sacred thing to them to hear the voice of God. And church, it's not hard to manipulate a true man of God uh, because you, it's, it's, hard, it's hard on them because their biggest payoff 
for the man of God, a woman of God, is declaring the word of the Lord. The fact that they've heard God is so much more appealing and exciting and attractive to them than anything else man can do that they're going to speak the word of God no matter how the outcome may be. They may be jailed, but they're going to speak the word of God. They may be cut off from uh, Twitter or social media, but they're going to speak the word of God. They may have their peers uh, uh, disown them and half their church members leave them, but they're going to speak the word of God. Amen. Jezebel is threatened by real men of God. They, they, they don't, why? Because they, men of God, women of God, I should say both because that's the truth, won't bow their knee. They don't kiss the ring. They don't speak for power. They speak to power. In other words, I don't work for you, king and queen. I work for God. I'm here to speak to you, not for you. They have no access. Therefore, this spirit wants to kill them, take them out. Today, we don't kill them maybe with a knife or a gun or anything like that. Uh, God, God forbid that ever happens. But they would kill them with their words, trying to silence them, shut them down, Car- uh, uh, kill them by character assassination, telling lies or taking truth and making them bigger than they really are. Amen. So one day, um, this King Ahab, uh, was walking by his own his own uh, property, and right next to the property, it's pretty interesting because right next to the property, the palace, was a vineyard that was there, but the vineyard had been um, had been sold to a a private uh, family, and this, the one who was the owner of that right now, and his family was Naboth. You may have heard of Naboth, and he owned that field. Him and his family had owned it for forever, forever. And somehow they got permission to have this vineyard and they worked that land every single year for generations. Well, what happened was, you know, Ahab, enough is never enough. Greed is never, greed will never be satisfied. And so he's like, I want that vineyard. That's the best, it's got the choicest grapes, it's got the choicest spot, it's right next to my palace, I want that vineyard. So he goes to Naboth and said, would you sell me the vineyard? And he said, no, I can't do it. This is mine. This is for my family. When you understood it back in those days, you understand that was a part of their heritage. And so he would have nothing to leave his children. So he would not sell it to the king. Well, this angered and upset the king. And he was so upset by it, he was crying the blues. And here comes Jezebel says, why is the king so upset? Why are you you're so emotional? What's going on? He said, well, Naboth wouldn't sell me the land I really wanted. I'm the king after all, and he disrespected my authority. And, you know, it's just been tough, and I don't understand why I can't have the best of the best, and this Naboth has been nothing but disrespectful. And he goes all through this, this whole process, telling her how bad Naboth was. And she kind of slapped him upside the head a little bit, saying, wake up, boy. You're the king. You get what you want. Matter of fact, don't worry about it. I'll take care of this. And so the Jezebel goes and starts taking uh, to the courts and saying, well, Naboth said this and that, and begin to bear false report against Naboth to the place where she put in, we don't know what she said, but something in there uh, until he would be executed by death. And so, so he, this whole process plays out, and Naboth is killed, and now they own the vineyard. And everybody's happy. Nobody's the wiser. After all, Naboth committed these crimes, and he probably was worthy of that death anyways, and so nobody was even talking about it. Amen. I said, amen. We still have that today. It's called fake news, praise God. And people, I'm not talking about the news, the media, I'm talking about us. Sometimes we only report what we want said, and we omit the things we don't want to talk about, praise God. And then we make things look a certain kind of way. 
preaching better than you shouting, but I know I'm preaching truth. And it goes for our, our media course. I believe that they're part of the prophets of Baal, to be honest with you. They're the modern day prophets of Baal. And they speak for the enemy. And I'm talking about every last one of them. A few of them are rising up now. Hopefully they're going to stay where they're supposed to. And just give the American people the truth and not skew everything to make us full of emotions and hate one another. If you find yourself hating people because of the color of their skin, you got bit. That's, that's a prophet of Baal right there that bit you hard. If you get emotional because of people's economical, sociological, all, all that kind of background, and you're just upset with people all the time, you have been bit by that demon. The best thing I could tell you, I've been telling you for months, is get out of it. I personally have not been watching the news since March of 2020, and my life is at peace. Hallelujah. How come I can't get you all to clap on this? I know because you like your news but you like the news that feeds your narrative. Maybe your narrative is wrong. Have you ever considered that? All of our narratives need to be shook up a little bit. Somebody say amen. And so God knows the truth. And they thought they got away with it. Feed the prophets of Baal the news reports and let them report it throughout the land. And there was no report of what actually happened. But God saw and so he said, Elijah, go down and tell King Ahab and Jezebel to meet you in the vineyard. Which vineyard was it? The vineyard. In case here, Naboth's vineyard, which was taken uh, from him unlawfully and in a murderous way. Meet them in the garden. Meet them in the vineyard. And he goes and meets them in the vineyard. And God says this in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 19. And you shall speak to him saying, thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him saying, thus says the Lord, in the place where, the, where dogs lick the blood of Naboth. Woo! You know they must have almost passed out when they heard that name. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me? Oh my, I'm sorry, dogs lick, they'll lick even your blood. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, oh my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you've sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. God knows where people's at. If you've been done wrong and you find yourself in a cave, just know God has seen everything, knows everything, and he is the God who will fix the injustice that's been done to you. Somebody say amen. In verse 23, and concerning Jezebel, and she's standing right there. He said, the Lord also spoke, saying, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. That's a pretty powerful picture right there. I mean, my good, if that, was to be, if that was to be said online right now, this prophet would have been, I mean, he would have been, he would have been cooked. I mean, they would have said, this guy is insensitive, and don't he know that we have feelings, and he's not using the proper pronouns, and he's not this. We got a, such a sense of society, you can't even walk. You get outside your door, you go, and everybody's, what are you doing? I just walked outside the door. I, you touched the grass with your foot. That's a living source. You just, I mean, it's just the most ridiculous. And if you can't see through that, God wake you up. They say there's a woke culture up there. I don't know about the woke out there, but we need some woke people in the house of God. Awaken from your sleep and slumber. 
Amen. We're making our children so weak. And so that's pretty tough words right there. Dog's going to eat you, Jezebel, right where you killed a man. This spirit, Jezebel, is alive and well even today in a lot of our churches. Jezebel's attacks in the modern church today is to kill the pastor's reputation, kill the church's reputation, to try to take control of the vineyard of that kingdom. The spirit strives, this spirit strives for attention and dominance, and it, 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 will, do, it, it will do it mostly behind the pastor's back. Dominance, trying to get dominance behind the pastor, behind, uh, on, online, on the phone, in the lobby, in the parking lot. Not today, because it's way too cold, even for Jezebel. Hallelujah. But after services. Some of you might have been cornered by one of them Jezebels, had a great service, and all of a sudden they got to point out everything negative that happened in the service. That's a spirit. Now, we love the person, but we got to rebuke that spirit. You, don't, you say, how come I feel? I was, having, I was in a good mood. After having coffee with them, I feel like I want to kill everybody. I don't trust nobody. I don't want to go back to church. That is a spirit. The major issue with this spirit is that it ends up really hurting most of the body of Christ. So to sum it up, someone who's operating with a Jezebel spirit, here's, here's, here's some of the characteristics. They will desire the upper hand. They will want to have the final up and utmost voice. They will begin to connive and cheat to get ahead. They will hate strong preachers and strong preaching. They'll be jealous of the prophets, their popularity, gifts, and their anointings. You know, that's what's happening right now. I'm not, I'm not getting too far off of this. I'm not going to do that. But a lot of what's happening right now in the body of Christ, we see this attack on the prophets right now. Some of you never heard of the prophets in your life till just now. They've been around for a long, 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 long time. And a lot of these men and women I've known, some of them I've gained a lot more respect for during this time. But I will tell you this is that you got to be careful. We say, well, they're false prophets. They don't speak truth because they told something that didn't come to pass. Hold on everything. Please don't show your ignorance. You don't understand what a false prophet is. Let me help you and teach you. First of all, we're not held to the same standards of the Old Testament because a false prophet would have gotten stoned in those days. So if you're crying false prophet, pick up your stone and start murdering people. Because that's the, that, y'all don't want to hear this. Because that is, the, that is the standard that you are using, Old Testament standard. That's not how God did it. He said, let the prophets be judged by the spirit of the prophets. Let the prophets say that they're right or they're wrong. And so you have superior uh, people that you are accountable to. That's what you're supposed to be doing, right? But let me just help you with this false prophet narrative. Someone who, who speaks a word that does not come to pass is not a false prophet. They are a wrong prophet. And then you can judge if you want to follow them thereafter. That's up to you. You can do that. But just understand this. There's never been one, nor will there ever be one, outside of Jesus Christ who was completely 100% as accurate as a prophet. So if anybody's ever missed it, and every one of them have, they're all false prophets. Or if we study the Word of God, we understand what the Word of God actually says. We find that they're not. They're actually just a wrong prophet that will learn from what they've done. But a false prophet is somebody different. Know your Bible. A false prophet is one who knowingly leads God's people astray using thus saith the Lord. And God will judge them harshly. But God will also judge a wrong prophet too. 
And he had to let God do that. But this idea that we should just be separate and, and we should uh, be divided. And oh, I mean, God gave us a word on th- was it Thursday and that the enemy's plans is to call this the, the, the divided states of America. This is what he wants to do. But when you don't understand what God's actually saying, don't allow the Jezebel spirit to get a hold of you. And um, they will turn, the spirit will turn to be totally self-centered and follow after their own desires. They will constantly speak against and wrestle with God's leaders. And their marriage almost always is in turmoil. Father, I'm not done preaching, but let me just say this. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for the revelation of what the spirit of Jezebel is and what the spirit of Jezebel can do. We're not blind here, Lord God. We can actually see what's going on. So in the name of Jesus, we rebuke the power of it. And if we've been dealing with it, you should just repent and say, that's been me. I need to get off of that stuff. I didn't realize it until just now. I ask God to forgive me. Let God forgive you even now in Jesus' precious name. Those watching me right now, same thing with you. Just let the Lord begin to forgive you. Tell them, say, I'm sorry. I got involved in some things I shouldn't have done. I was on the wrong side of a church split. I, I talked against the, uh, the man of God in the church, and I was trying to get people on my side, and I was just emotional, and I shouldn't have done it, and I knew it. Just ask God to forgive you, and he will. He will 100% forgive you. Lord, wash us clean. Wash us this morning. I pray, and let the spirit of heaven pour out upon us, Lord God, to make us stronger for the things that we don't understand, Lord God. We still keep our mouths shut until you reveal them to us, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. So Jezebel, in our story, uh, is a prophet liar. You've heard of prophesier? She's a prophet liar. Because she said something that drove Elijah to cave in and place himself in a cave to hide. She said a prophecy. She prophesied and said, uh, uh, this time tomorrow I will do to you and what, what you did to my prophets and more. How many of those that did not come to pass? That's what the devil does, church. He's a prophet liar. He prophesies and tells you you ain't going to make it. He prophesies and tells you you're going to be lonely the rest of your life. Just marry any old person. He prophesies and tells you if you give your, you give your tithe and offering, you're going to go broke. Jesus told us that the devil is a liar and the father of all lies and that he was a liar from the beginning. So which one are you going to believe? But your Jesus, y'all ain't clapping like I need you to clap in the house of God. You want to get excited. I'm revealing some truth to you right now. This is going to set you free. And so Jesus said, your Jesus, mine Jesus, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. You all, everybody says something, say, Jesus is the truth. Write that down in the comments. Jesus is the truth. Say it again. Jesus is the truth. Now give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. Elijah might have caved in momentarily. But it's in the cave that God begins to deal with him again. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, please, in verse number 9. And there he, Elijah, went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, now notice the word of the Lord comes to him in the cave. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. 
For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. He was feeling lonely. You know when you cave in, it's because you feel like nobody's got your back. You feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through. You want to turn off the lights and put the covers over your head. A spirit of, of discouragement comes when Jezebel attacks. It brings discouragement and depression with it. He felt all alone. He felt like, this is how I'm rewarded. And then he said, uh, he said uh, go out, God said, and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Watch this. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. He's passing by. So it is the effects of God showing up, but God's not in it. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. He still speaks with still, small voices. Sometimes, Lord, give me a sign. Oh, God, give me a sign. God, I need a sign. Lightning bolt. There's your sign. That's not a sign. That was lightning bolt. That may not be nothing at all to it. But it's that still, small voice knowing him inside and when he speaks. And so it was when Elijah heard that still, small voice that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood. So he comes out of the cave. And he stands at the, at the, in the entrance of the cave. In other words, he's making his move to get out of that cave. He's beginning to make his way out of one situation into another one. When you cave in, you want to lock down and stay there. And it's very tough to get back up again. But if you'll, by faith, go, wait a second here. I sense God is doing, even right now, you sense God is doing something in your life. You're, you're, you're feeling him. And watch this. He moved into the entrance of that cave. And suddenly, watch what's happening. And suddenly, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I believe God is saying, this isn't who you are. Have you ever been in a place where you've been caved in and you caved into the insecurities and the fears and the self-doubt and all the feelings of insignificance and then you realize I've ended up in a place I don't belong? This is not my life. This is not who I am. Why am I accepting it as if it is? God is asking you this morning in the place you've caved in, what are you doing here? I called you to preach. What are you doing here? I called you to forgive. What are you doing here? I've called you to live holy. What are you doing here? I called you to keep your pants zipped up. What are you doing here? I called you to, I'm not getting enough shouts because, and it makes you look guilty, so just shout and I won't know I'm talking to you. I called you to unity in the church. What are you doing here? I called you to speak my word. What are you doing here? Let me prophesy over you this morning. It ain't over. Who can receive that three-word prophecy right now? It ain't over. Don't quit. Don't cave in. Where you're at is not where you're going to end up the rest of your life. Somebody shout yes. I said, where you're at is not where you're staying. God's about to take you through to the promised land. Why? Because he makes promises that he will fulfill. Come on. 
You need to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Give God the highest praise. He's still worthy. He's still on his throne. I know it looks bleak. I know it looks bad. But this God can turn it around right in your cave, right where you're at. Somebody get up and get in the entrance of the cave and get ready to hear God. Come on. He can and will do it. Now that he is doing it. I said this, God is doing it. Hear this word. Distractions have come. Distractions have come. Even in this season where it seems like every time this year, it starts off well and then it ends up bad. And it feels like you're not making any progress. The Lord says, watch the trap of the enemy for you. It always comes about the same way. He'll lead you away with a distraction to get you off course. And you'll start to think it's too much. It's too hard. I need to change vocation. I need to change location. I need to change churches. I need to change something. No, no, says the Lord. That's not my will for you. You may look and see that the rocks have shook and you will see that the wind has blown and the earth has quaked, but I'm not in that. I need you to listen to my voice, says the Lord, and I do have a word for you. And I hear the Lord says, stay where I called you to be. Stay in that family. Stay in that place, says the Lord. Even stay in that job. Somebody needs to hear this right now. The Lord says, I'm about to open up doors you don't see yet. And when I do, the spirit of Jezebel and Ahab will have to bow their knee at what I'm about to do for you, says the Lord. For they said, it can't happen. But the Lord says, it shall surely come to pass. Distractions. Illusions, the grand illusion of the enemy be revealed and broken this very moment, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. I don't know what I'm seeing. I feel like I, I feel like I'm going to be prophesying over one person, but it's not. It's everybody. So it's a weird situation. I mean, I'm feeling like, but I see people being pulled on. Hey, come this way, it'll be better. Hey, come this way, it'll be easier. Hey, come this way, you'll make more money. Hey, come this way, I'll, I'll give you a ministry promotion. Okay, come this way, I'll do something for you. It's a lie, it's an illusion. Even that the people you may talk to may be telling you the truth, it's not gonna end up the way that they're saying. And it's gonna cost you more. I just feel like God's saying, hold on. Don't be distracted, stay in the way. Stay in the way and watch. I'll bring you out of the cave. I'll bring you up out of the cave. For some people have felt like any control is not God. No, that's not true. Because some feel this prophecy is partly control because I'm saying don't do this or don't do that. No, no, no. My job is to warn. As a man of God, I must say this and I must say what God's saying. So don't ever get upset with the messenger especially one who actually cares about you and loves you. Some of you need to hear this. 
you're making immature emotional decisions that are going to cost you. And then you wonder, why do I keep ending up in the same place? You're still in the cave year after year after year. I just gave you the word of the Lord. Stand. Don't move outside of God. Stand. I cannot tell you. And, and look, this is not just this word, even though it is this word for somebody. Definitely is. Not for everybody, but for somebody. Uh, I watch people leave this church. And I knew they weren't supposed to. I knew they weren't supposed to. And now I get, I'm, every year, I'll get at least half a dozen from people who will inbox or email, give this to Pastor Pruitt. Can't tell you how much we miss you. Can't find any church like your church. Uh, nothing like faith builds at home. And I'm just drying up here. Can you, can you, can you try to locate somebody? For, we try, well, that's not the same. How about this church? That's not the same. I know. It's not because those churches are wrong or bad. They're great. It said that you'll never be happy because you were never supposed to leave this one. I can't tell you. Your blessing comes where the house of God, wherever God puts you is where the blessing flows through. I believe that. I've, I've lived that. I've preached that my whole life. I truly, honestly believe that. And you know, and sometimes we take that for granted. But God's saying, hold on now. And he can say that for the job you're in. He can say that with the family you have. He, he puts you there for a reason. And hang on. God has something he's about to reveal in your life. In Jesus' name.